Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. This is the first of two episodes this week. I know that's not something I normally do, but I wanted to separate this episode, which is a review of the England Classic and an interview with the British Open champion Rhys Colley from my preview of the Europe Cup, which will be live a little bit later in the week than the episode you're listening to now and will feature three players who are in action in Spain. On this week's show, before I dive into the chat with Reese, I wanted to go into a bit of depth about the England Classic weekend that's just taken place down in Devon. It's a slightly strange place, Ilfracombe, to have a gold-ranked event as it's a fairly remote part of England, not the, the easiest to get to. And I think that, combined with the fact that it was only a week after the British Open in Bridlington, which is a very popular event on the calendar, meant that the entry numbers were lower than normal. They were lower than 200 for the men in the end, and that figure ended up being quite a bit less than 200 by the time play started on Saturday morning because a few players that entered then gave it a miss uh, when the tournament actually came round, as you'd get with any event. There were issues for some people following the pentathlon, and there were others that chose to play in the ADC events up in sort of Bristol way, that were on on the Saturday and Sunday because they wanted to, you know, make some progress on their tournaments and their order of merit and wanted to maybe go for the match practice that those tournaments would offer. Having a smaller field did open up the tournament for someone else to come through. And in that way, it does show off the value of the golden tickets, you know, that the, the World Championship place attached to these gold-ranked events that I've spoken about before. In theory, those golden tickets are hopefully a carrot for, for federations to dangle to players and hopefully the lure of being able to win a world championship place might attract slightly bigger entries and might attract some of those maybe challenge tour players who wouldn't normally do WDF events but think, I could book a spot in a world championship, that's a TV opportunity, I'm not going to turn it down and it's just the one event. I don't have to do a tour. I've just got to play here one day, maybe one weekend. And certainly didn't have the increased numbers down in Ilfracombe, but you did have some of those challenge tour players. And one of them, Robert Owen, whose chances of winning I talked up on last week's show, beat Dan Perry from Sussex in a really good quality final. Rob was 5-2 up, looked in control, but Dan roared back to 5-all and actually had matched art before Rob took out 64 to win it. At the moment, Rob Owen is in a tour card spot and an Alexandra Palace spot through the challenge to order of merit with one weekend to go. At the moment, that would mean that he'd join Raymond Smith in qualifying for both tournaments, possibly, and not being able to play. If Rob Owen, for, for some reason, doesn't go through that challenge to order of merit and that second place is still very much up for grabs then he would be a very quality addition to the WF World Championship field because he's a, a good player with a good game and capable of a really good standard. On the note of, of who's going to compete and who might not, I did receive an interesting tweet after the event that's since been deleted. So the tweet came from Snooker Legends, the, the guys that are behind the Snooker Seniors Tour and also the World Senior Darts Championship and they said that if the WDF World Championships are in February, as has been reported a, a couple of times, clashing with the, the seniors, that 
Neil Duff, Martin Adams and Trina Gulliver would be playing at the seniors at the Circus Tavern rather than playing at the WDF World Championships, which now seems more and more likely to be Lakeside once again. Now, I've, I've gone on a rant before about the World Championships. If it's in February, how I don't think that's fair on players who've invested their time and their money and sponsors' money on, on chasing the tour. Maybe then get a tour card and can't play, but uh, it remains to be seen whether that February date is confirmed. And even if it is February, as the, the seniors were suggesting then you would think that the WDF have gone for February because they're at the behest of the broadcaster, probably Eurosport once again, and they have to put it on when Eurosport are prepared to televise it and have a gap in the calendar. Clashing with the seniors is problematic, though. I think for darts fans, you you don't want to have to choose. There would be people who'd want to go to both. Uh, And I think from a playing point of view... Martin Adams, Trina Gulliver are not in a position at the moment to be qualifying for the WDF World Championships. Can't see that changing for either of them unless they were to travel and win a gold or come through the qualifiers in Assen, both of which seem quite unlikely. But Neil Duff would be interesting that, you know, they're implying that he would choose to play the seniors rather than defend his WDF World Championship. So, again, I don't know if there's any legitimacy to that at all, but. It'll be very interesting to see, as and when we get an announcement on the World Championships, if it is that February slot they implied it would be, and if there are going to be players that have to make a call between playing in one event or the other. Uh, But to circle back to the the England Classic, it was really good to see Dan Perry make the final. He's someone I've, I've kind of known about as a very talented youth player for a while, and he showed real good battle to make the final, beat some very quality operators, and then... In that final, dug in at 5-2 down and genuinely I thought when he got it back to tied game at 5 all, I thought he was actually going to win it. He seemed to have the momentum in his favour. He didn't manage to but it would be really good to see him in more events uh, moving forward. There are a few other players and performances I wanted to, to note. Chris Landman reached yet another quarter final and I would argue that Landman has been the most consistent, most consistently impressive player over the last little while. This year he's reached one final one semi-final and seven quarter-finals. That's really impressive consistency. I think that's gone under the radar. Um, and as I said on last week's show, a first title of the year for the Dutchman very much is not far away. Uh, fellow Dutchman Moreno Blom, he made the semi-finals. He did struggle in that semi-final a bit, a very scratchy game with Dan Perry, but he looked decent, got more ranking points, looks very assured of a world championship place next year. Um as does Mike Gillett. He's another one who's finding that level of consistency. In the last three months, he's had four semi-final places and two quarter-finals. That's really good stuff from the Welshman. Graham Hall, gone deep again in one of the British events. He's now over the 200-point the mark, which seems like it's going to be around the cut-off region. Um, and a couple of other players as well. Kaifan Lueng, he got to a quarter-final. That takes him into the top 70 of the rankings and closer to a provisional qualification spot if you look at the seasonal table and the other one was was Paul Mitchell uh, Paul someone I've met at events chatted to in the past he's a really good lad and doubles have let him down in the past but I think he's starting to put it together now he's had two gold quarterfinals this year I know he's going to Ireland and the Viking Cup at least before the end of the year I'm hoping that he does well. It'd be nice to have some Scouse representation at the World Championships once again. 
And a word on Luke Littler too. He only got to the last 32 of the ranking event, but he had a great weekend. He won the pentathlon on the Thursday, becoming the youngest ever player to do so. He won the non-ranked England International Open, beat Nick Kenny in the final and threw a 170 checkout. And he won a superb youth final against young Jensen Walker. Great youth final, real ding-dong affair, 5-4 in the end, and both averaged over 90 in the game. So good stuff there from, from Luke and, and Jensen. Across in the women's tournament, it was won by Bo Greaves. He's now up to 10 titles for the year. Bo was absolutely dominant, unquestionably the best female player in the world right now. And in the final, she beat Lisa Ashton 5-0. I think the writing was on the wall a little bit for, for Lisa. She seemed quite fatigued in the uh, International Open final where she played D Bateman and then to go back on the stage for the women's classic final. And I think there was a bit of fatigue there for, for Lisa, but she had a good weekend as well. She won the mixed pairs with Nick Kenny won the, the non-ranked tournament and got to the final of the gold-ranked one. So she's obviously in good nick as well and won a very good semi-final against Lorraine Winstanley, who, in turn, recent guest on the show, Lorraine, she showed really good form to make that semi-final and good to see her averaging in the 80s on a semi-regular basis now. One other uh, female player I wanted to talk about as well was Eleanor Cairns, the WDF Girls World Youth Champion. She's... Had a bit of patchy form since winning that goals world title, it must be said. But she got to the quarterfinals in Ilfracombe. She beat Lorraine Hyde and Mandy Smith, two very good, very capable players, uh, before losing to Bo in the last eight. I'm not going to say she'll be in the Women's World Championship next year, but she's getting more experience in those senior events now. And she does seem to be finding her form again and improving, which is, is good to see. But that's my thoughts on the England Classic. The week before saw the British Open take place in Bridlington, as I mentioned earlier, and it was there that Rhys Colley broke through to win his first WDF title. It was a big moment, that, for the Black Country native, as his win over Chris Lamman in the final saw him book a World Championship debut for next year. Rhys and I caught up last week to discuss that big win, building his game on the development tour, Winning the British Open with Argos Darts and why winning meant he could fulfil a promise to his granddad. I'm now delighted to be joined by the British Open champion, Rhys Colley. Rhys, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Good, glad to get you on the show. You had a, a big win, as I said, the British Open this past weekend, and uh, we'll get on to that in a bit. But I want to go back to the, the beginning for you. What age were you when you first got into darts? Um, I think I was 13, 14, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. I, was, um, I think I was playing for the Pensnet Legion Club with my dad and my uncle. Yeah, 13. And would you say you, you come from a particularly darting family? To be fair, my dad started when he was not quite young, started playing in the pubs and that. And um, my granddad always played darts and stuff. But, uh, and you're you're of course from the the black country region, you know, in the West Midlands, which has got a strong darting pedigree. What was it like, sort of growing up in that area with a number of strong players around? Yeah, I'm quite lucky to be fair because the standard round here at the minute is just incredible. So the likes of Jamie's and big players like that, into like the local knockouts and stuff like that. So you can go through a Sunday morning tournament and you're going to be averaging 90s and 100s to win it. So it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm quite lucky to have a standard round here, really. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, on the note of, of the Black Country, you played for them last year as they made their debut in the, the county system. Must have been quite a special moment putting on that shirt and being part of history. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I was, uh, I actually played West Midlands uh, in the youth county. Well, uh, I never got selected in the uh, men's one. But when I found out they were doing uh, an actual Black Country one, uh, I was honoured to play for Black Country. In in 2016, you first started playing the, the development tour events. What are your memories of those first few development tours you went to? Um, it, was, it was tough, really tough. Like, when I first started playing in the, in the development tour, I think it was the likes of uh, Luke Humphries, uh, Josh Payne and like Dimitri Van der Berg and players like that. So to, to win a few games and like get far into them rounds, it was solid. But um, lucky enough, I, I finally won one. But and that was after they left, though, so which I was glad. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, the youth tours. It's a step up now, to be honest. Like I never had the JDC when I was in like, the Fest of the Darts, like the BDO and stuff like that, and like the SEQ Open and things like that. But when I was 16 and I knew I could do in the PDC youth, I jumped straight into it, like straight in the deep end, which I think helped my darts really, yeah. Mm, of course. And as you say, it was a few years down the line, five years after you played those first development tours, you, you won one last year. What did it mean to, to get over the line and say you'd won a PDC tournament? Oh, it was, it was a, oh, there's no words really. It was, I was trying that for that many years. Well, I'm 23 now and I was 22 when I won it. And, and I've been in it since I was yeah, 16, so... Trying that long, and then to finally win one was just uh, incredible. And uh, it was yeah. a it was a bit like buses, really, because then you won another one later in the year yeah. by doing so well on the development tour. That got you into the the UK Open earlier this year. What was that experience like? Your first PDC major tournament? Yeah, it was something different for me, really. Like just being in the venue, and uh, well, I've been there and watched it. And even though the, the game against Ross Montgomery didn't go your way, did you feel that it was a positive learning experience? This year, you've been playing Development Tour, Challenge Tour, and also a bit of the, the Online Darts Live League as well. Have you found that the Live League has been a useful tool for you in terms of practice and development? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just a standard down there. It's just, like, every single player in there can average 100 and 
And you were one of the first to get a chance to play in that new venue as well. What did you What did you make of the new one in Portsmouth? Oh, that's even better, yeah. And especially now they've got like, the stage and stuff like that. And unfortunately, they get to the finals on the Saturday, but I think they've now got spectators as well, so even better. Hmm. It's getting bigger and bigger than ours. Hmm, for sure. Now, moving on to, to the British Open this past weekend, yeah. you know, so the, the weekend in Bridlington, there were tournaments Friday, Saturday... But you were playing the Challenge Tour events on the Friday and the Saturday. You had some sort of mixed results in those Challenge Tour events. Going over to Bridlington, how were you feeling in your game? Well, um, I was feeling quite confident, to be fair. Like, I played some good games down at the Challenge Tour. But even the games I lost, I was in the game. And we were in there doubles on this. But I played quite well. I played quite solid, so... On the Saturday afternoon, my mate Graham Moore, who I travelled up with, he said, how do you feel about playing tomorrow? I said, if I can play all this down there, I'm, I'm going to have a, half a chance for it. So, but lucky enough, I did. And probably a British Open champion, but yeah, <laughs> over the moon. So did you and Graham drive over on the, the Saturday evening then? Yeah, it's Saturday evening, yeah. A long drive over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> three and a half hours. <laughs> On the, the Sunday, the British Open, you know, played eight games on your way to the, the title. And we'll, we'll talk about the final in a minute. But during the day, the games you played averaged over 90 in seven of the eight. So incredibly consistent. Did you feel that consistency as you were playing on the floor? Um, yeah, to be fair. My um, scoring was there. And just like, the challenge floor, I was missing here and there doubles and like, 80 odd finishes and stuff like that. I was missing it, but in Bridlington, they was giving in, like, so, and my scoring, I was power scoring, so I felt fairly confident all day, and I think I played Gary Stone, I think, on the one game, and obviously Gary Stone, what he's done in darts, you know, he's, he's a top player, and I went into that game really nervous, but after, like, I was two legs, I, I kind of down, like, my nerves started here and then, and I was happy days then, and I started just started getting in right. So, but yeah, I felt all day. I felt good to be fair. Mm. And in terms of nerves, have they been something you've been dealing with earlier in your career, or is it just a bit more? Sometimes you feel nervous, sometimes you don't. To be fair, I think sometimes I overthink my darts, and it's hard not to think about doing and playing, and because there's so many good players and stuff like that. But. In the last year or so, I've tried to just get that out of my head and just focus on the dartboard. And like, I've even started like just looking down at my darts and stuff like that. Cause I, I used to be so easily like pulled off by like looking around and stuff like that. But just through like the little tips like Jamie uses, he was the one that's helped me a lot through like, my darts and stuff like that. And uh, composure and form a game on a lot. In that final, you you were three one down against Chris Landman before you know yeah. winning the next five legs and winning the title. When you were three one down, what was going through your mind? To be fair, I was I was happy just getting to where I got, but obviously I know I've got the game to the most people on my day, so all the four in there, I thought, take another leg, leg by leg, 
in that last leg you took out 70 you know single 10 single 20 and then tops you stepped back after that second arc did the kind of Rob Cross thing stood back composed yourself and went again yeah, was that yeah. because of the advice and stuff you've had from Jamie Hughes and others yeah that's just it but also I thought it was in the treble at first I thought I'd bust it <laughs> literally it was raw on the wire of the treble 20 so I thought I need to step back now and then I composed myself and lucky enough it went in so yeah, I was over the moon. And then when that, that tops did go in, it seemed a pretty emotional moment for you. Was that just the, the moment sinking in or was there something a bit more there to it? to say when I was watching you in the final I was reminded of you know that the last time I'd seen you on the stage the British Open a few years ago when you uh, lost that semi-final to, to Wesley Harms which I know you missed the match darts in that one yeah yeah well with that, see, with that game I, I played Wesley Harms before and it beat me 4-0 and it was my first time ever actually being on like, a, big, like, a, a stage and stuff like that in like, a big tournament and when I played him again, I went into the game really confident. I was, I was playing well all day and I thought, just go up there, do your thing. And, and obviously with that last start, well, oh, he was nervous, obviously. My hand was a doing and stuff like that. So, but uh, where's the arms is the top guard. And like I said, on, on that day, I was happy to be where I was anyway. Though, so. They haven't confirmed whether the World Championship's going to be next year, but uh, I know you want it to be at Lakeside, don't you? Because of a uh, promise yeah. you made to your granddad. Yeah, um, I said to him just before he died. I said one thing: I'm going to promise you, one day I'll make Lakeside. And obviously, I'm there now, and I'm, if I wish he was here to see to see me play there, like, but things happen. And but yeah, um, it's come true. And lucky enough, I'm there. Hopefully, well, when did you say the date was? Do you know yet? No, no, you said you take him in turn, did you? No, not yet. Hopefully. Normally, oh, well, probably January, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's usually around that date anyway, but... See, I, I think from early on the WDF, whether it is... I don't know if it's something to do with December or the April, summer. I'm not sure whether that... Unless that's something else. No, that, that will be the the World Masters, which you've also qualified for because you won the British Open. Oh, well, see, I see. I didn't know that until I got back. My mate Wayne Willis, who's like... Mm-hmm. 
planning that World Championships next year, of course, you've got aspirations to, to play in the PDC, like you know so many dark players have. So are you hoping that that World Championship will be like a, a springboard for you that you can then push on and, and start you know mixing in more of those big tournaments? Yeah, of course, yeah. I'll just go there, take in the moment and try my best and see what happens. And if I do any good, happy days. If I don't, I don't. But I'm just, like I said, I'm happy to just be there and play. Make them a round of players. That's the main one. And yeah, hopefully try and push on to the, try and get a tour card in, in the long run. Hmm. The, the way the WGF system works now, it's different to the the BDO one. Those big events like the British Open carry that World Championship place for the winner. Uh, and it means that you could just go to one event during the year and, and win. Uh, was that the case with you, or did you have other WDF ones booked for the rest of the year? No, no, I was always going to get to uh, quite a few of the WDFs and stuff like that. Uh, it was just lucky enough I'd won the one that you get the golden ticket. So, but no, nah, I was always going to do the uh, quite a few of the uh, WD events anyway throughout the year. So. I think I'm, um, well, I'm in Devon this weekend for the Ilfracombe one. I should get to that one. And I think it was a Malta one, I think. Mm-hmm. I do want to go there because somewhere I've never been. Nice one. Uh, yeah. And in terms of competitions for you this year, you mentioned, you know, Devon and, and Malta. But, you know, what does a normal, you know, week of darts for Reese Collie look like? You playing local league, practice with Jamie Hughes. What does that look like? Well, I play on the Super League on a Wednesday night at the Railway Tavern in the West Midlands Super League. Uh, I play, also I play at Island Sports Bar on the Thursday night for the uh, Interface League, which has got some incredible players in there as well, lots of Jamie, Graham Hall, Jason Lone, Corwell, etc. But, and then on a Friday night, I play at Island Sports in the, just the 5 one league as well, yeah. Watching the stream, I was trying to work out what, what darts you're using. Are they a set of Gary Anderson's? And uh, just a, a last thing, looking ahead to the, the World Championships, you've had any thoughts yet about what you're going to pick for your walk-on song? nice one well thank you so much for your time Reese. I really appreciate it and I wish you best of luck for the rest of the season hopefully see you at the World Championships next year yeah no problem Andrew thanks for that matey I really enjoyed chatting with Reese. he's someone who's had talent for years and he's had deep runs before he got to semi-finals in Celsius semi-final at the British Open three years ago as I mentioned during the interview and 
Now he's starting to convert it. There were the two development tour titles in 2021 and now the British Open title. You can tell he's really looking forward to those opportunities at the World Masters and the, the World Championships. And when you can hear someone that excited, you can't help but look forward to seeing them realise those opportunities as well. And look, if he plays like he did at the British Open, he plays like he's capable of, and he continues to get the advice he's getting from the likes of Jamie Hughes and not just get it, but clearly take it on board and learn from it, then he's going to be a dangerous player. And he's going to be someone that you probably don't want to draw in the first round or the second round. So, yeah, good to see him come through. And uh, I think he's a really good lad. We're all going to be hearing a lot more of in the years to come. Now, this is the point in the show where I'd start looking ahead to the ranking events this coming weekend, make some picks and predictions. But I won't be doing that this week because the only ranking event coming up is the Spanish Open which is tied to the Europe Cup and as I said at the the top of the show I have recorded a separate Europe Cup special featuring three guests and that episode will be out later on this week so all of my picks and predictions for the Europe Cup will be in there so that will be well worth a listen I hope three really interesting interviews Uh, but before I go there was one listener question that I wanted to answer and that's from Good friend of the show, Alex Moss of the Weekly Darts Cast. Alex asked me what the best shout-out I've ever got was. Now, that is a a joke question. It's in relation to last week when uh, Phil Bars uh, of Online Darts referenced my interview with Lorraine Wynne-Stanley when he, Gobby and Lee Boyce were looking at the WDF press release regarding the World Masters during last week's episode of the Online Darts Live Lounge. I did appreciate the shout-out from Phil, uh, even if the the context content of the shout-out was wrong and a a bit misleading. But if you wanted a serious answer of shout-outs, I think it would be when Dan Dawson shared the interview I did last year with John Imrie. I think that interview with John was a special one for me and for him, and I was very glad to get that shout-out because, you know, it's someone in the sport that I respect, and it was someone that, you know, would bring further eyes to what I was doing as something that I was proud of. So, yeah, definitely down for a serious one. But look, if Phil's recognised my my work, then all good. Uh, but anyway, that's all for this episode. Uh, big thank you to Reese for his time and to you for listening. Your support is always greatly appreciated. I'll be back later this week with episode 107, a Europe Cup preview with three special guests. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page Inside the WDF. And you can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you on the other side.